Chapter Ten, Part Four of The Pit. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Laura had planned a little dinner for that night. It was to be served at eight. Page would have dined earlier, only herself and her husband were to be present. It was to be her birthday dinner. All the noisy, clamorous world should be excluded. No faintest rumble of the pit would intrude. She would have him all to herself. He would, so she determined, forget everything else in his love for her. She would be beautiful as never before, brilliant, resistless, and dazzling. She would have him at her feet, her own, her own again, as much her own as her very hands. And before she would let him go, he would forever and forever have abjured the battle of the street that had so often caught him from her. The pit should not have him. The sweep of the great whirlpool should never again prevail against the power of love. Yes, she had suffered. She had known the humiliation of a woman neglected. But it was to end now. Her pride would never again be lowered. Her love never again be ignored. But the afternoon passed, and evening drew on without any word from him. In spite of her anxiety, she yet murmured over and over again, as she paced the floor of her room, listening for the ringing of the doorbell, "'He will send word. He will send word. I know he will.' By four o'clock she had begun to dress. Never had she made a toilet more superb, more careful. She disdained a costume on this great evening. It was not to be Theodora now, nor Juliet, nor Carmen. It was to be only Laura Jadwin, just herself, unaided by theatricals, unadorned by tinsel. But it seemed consistent, nonetheless, to choose her most beautiful gown for the occasion, to panoply herself in every charm that was her own. Her dress, that closely sheathed the low, flat curves of her body, and that left her slender arms and neck bare, was one shimmer of black scales, iridescent, undulating with light to her every movement. In the coils and masses of her black hair she fixed her two great cabochons of pearls, and clasped about her neck her palm-broad collarette of pearls and diamonds. Against one shoulder nodded a bunch of jacqueminots, royal red, imperial. It was hard upon six o'clock when at last she dismissed her maid. Left alone, she stood for a moment in front of her long mirror that reflected her image from head to foot, and at the sight she could not forbear a smile and a sudden proud lifting of her head. All the woman in her preened and plumed herself in the consciousness of the power of her beauty. Let the battle of the street clamor never so loudly now. Let the suction of the pit be never so strong. Eve triumphed. Venus tout entière s'attachait à sa proie. These women of America, these others who allowed business to draw their husbands from them more and more, who submitted to those cruel conditions that forced them to be content with the wreckage left after the storm and stress of the day's work, the jaded mind, 
the exhausted body, the faculties dulled by overwork, she was sorry for them. They, less radiant than herself, less potent to charm, could not call their husbands back. But she, Laura, was beautiful. She knew it. She gloried in her beauty. It was her strength. She felt the same pride in it as the warrior in a finely-tempered weapon. And to-night her beauty was brighter than ever. It was a veritable aureole that crowned her. She knew herself to be invincible. So only that he saw her thus, she knew that she would conquer. And he would come. If he loved her, she had said. By his love for her he had promised. By his love she knew she would prevail. And then at last, somewhere out of the twilight, somewhere out of those lowest unplumbed depths of her own heart, came the first tremor of doubt. Came the tardy vibration of the silver cord which Page had struck so sharply. Was it, after all, love that she cherished and strove for? Love? or self-love. Ever since Page had spoken, she seemed to have fought against the intrusion of this idea. But little by little it rose to the surface. At last, for an instant, it seemed to confront her. Was this, after all, the right way to win her husband back to her, this display of her beauty, this parade of dress, this exploitation of self? Self. Self. Had she been selfish from the very first? What real interest had she taken in her husband's work? Right or wrong, good or bad, I would put my two hands into the fire to help him. Was this the way? Was not this the only way? Win him back to her. What if there were more need for her to win back to him? Oh, once she had been able to say that love, the supreme triumph of a woman's life, was less a victory than a capitulation. Had she ordered her life upon that ideal? Did she even believe in the ideal at this day? Whither had this cruel cult of self led her? Dimly, Laura Jadwin began to see and to understand a whole new conception of her little world. The birth of a new being within her was not for that night. It was conception only, the sensation of a new element, a new force that was not herself, somewhere in the inner chambers of her being. The woman in her was too complex, the fibers of character too intricate and mature to be wrenched into new shapes by any sudden revolution. But just so surely as the day was going, just so surely as the new day would follow upon the night, conception had taken place within her. Whatever she did that evening, whatever came to her, through whatever crises she should hurry, she would not now be quite the same. She had been accustomed to tell herself that there were two Lauras. Now, suddenly... Behold, she seemed to recognize a third, a third that rose above and forgot the other two, that in some beautiful, mysterious way was identity ignoring self. But the change was not to be abrupt. Very, very vaguely the thoughts came to her. The change would be slow, slow, would be 
evolution, not revolution. The consummation was to be achieved in the coming years. For tonight she was, what was she? Only a woman, weak, torn by emotion, driven by impulse, and entering upon what she imagined was a great crisis in her life. But meanwhile the time was passing. Laura descended to the library, and picking up a book, composed herself to read. When six o'clock struck, she made haste to assure herself that, of course, she could not expect him exactly on the hour. No, she must make allowances. The day, as Page had suspected, had probably been an important one. He would be a little late, but he would come soon. If you love me, you will come she had said. But an hour later, Laura paced the room with tight-shut lips and burning cheeks. She was still alone. Her day, her hour, was passing, and he had not so much as sent word. For a moment the thought occurred to her that he might perhaps be in great trouble, in great straits, that there was an excuse. But instantly she repudiated the notion. No, no she cried beneath her breath, he should come no matter what has happened, or even at the very least he could send word. The minutes dragged by. No roll of wheels echoed under the carriage porch, no step sounded at the outer door. The house was still. The street without was still. The silence of the midsummer evening widened, unbroken around her like a vast, calm pool. Only the musical Gregorians of the newsboys, chanting the evening's extras from corner to corner of the streets, rose into the air from time to time. She was once more alone. Was she to fail again? Was she to be set aside once more, as so often heretofore? Set aside? Flouted? Ignored? Forgotten? If you love me, she had said and this was to be the supreme test. This evening was to decide which was the great influence of his life, was to prove whether or not love was paramount. This was the crucial hour. And he knows it, cried Laura. He knows it. He did not forget, could not have forgotten. The half-hour passed, then the hour, and as eight o'clock chimed from the clock over the mantel-shelf, Laura stopped, suddenly rigid, in the midst of the floor. Her anger leaped like fire within her. All the passion of the woman scorned shook her from head to foot. At the very moment of her triumph she had been flouted in the pitch of her pride. And this was not the only time. All at once the past disappointments, slights, and humiliations came again to her memory. She had pleaded and had been rebuffed again and again. She had given all and had received neglect. She, Laura, beautiful beyond other women, who had known love, devoted service, and the most thoughtful consideration from her earliest girlhood, had been cast aside. Suddenly she bent her head quickly, listening intently. Then she drew a deep breath, murmuring, At last, at last, for the sound of a footstep in the vestibule was unmistakable. He had come after all. But so late, so late. No, she could not be gracious at once. 
he must be made to feel how deeply he had offended he must sue humbly very humbly for pardon the servant's step sounded in the hall on the way toward the front door i am in here matthew she called in the library tell him i'm in here she cast a quick glance at herself in the mirror close at hand touched her hair with rapid fingers smoothed the agitation from her forehead and sat down in a deep chair near the fireplace opening a book turning her back toward the door she heard him come in but did not move even as he crossed the floor she kept her head turned away the footsteps paused near at hand there was a moment's silence then slowly laura laying down her book turned and faced him with many very very happy returns of the day said sheldon corthell as he held toward her a cluster of deep blue violets laura sprang to her feet a hand upon her cheek her eyes wide and flashing you was all she had breath to utter you the artist smiled as he laid the flowers upon the table i am going away again to-morrow he said for always i think have i startled you i only came to say good-bye and to wish you a happy birthday oh you remembered she cried you remembered i might have known you would but the revulsion had been too great and she had been wrong after all jadwin had forgotten emotions to which she could put no name swelled in her heart and rose in a quick gasping throb to her throat the tears sprang to her eyes old impulses forgotten impetuosities whipped her on oh you remembered you remembered she cried again holding out both her hands he caught them in his own remembered he echoed i have never forgotten no no she replied shaking her head winking back the tears you don't understand i spoke before i thought you don't understand i do believe me i do he exclaimed i understand you better than you understand yourself laura's answer was a cry oh then why why did you ever leave me you who did understand me why did you leave me only because i told you to go why didn't you make me love you then why didn't you make me understand myself she clasped her hands tightly together upon her breast her words torn by her sobs came all but incoherent from behind her shut teeth no no she exclaimed as he made toward her don't touch me don't touch me it's too late it is not too late listen listen to me oh why weren't you a man strong enough to know a woman's weakness you can only torture me now i hate you i hate you you love me i tell you you love me he cried passionately and before she was aware of it she was in his arms his lips were against her lips were on her shoulders and neck you love me he cried you love me i defy you to say you do not oh make me love you then she answered make me believe that you do love me don't you know he cried don't you know how i have loved you oh from the very first my love has been my life has been my death my one joy and my one bitterness it has always been you dearest year after year hour after hour and now i've found you again and now i shall never 
never let you go oh no no oh don't don't she begged i implore you i am weak weak just a word and i would forget everything and i do speak that word and your own heart answers me in spite of you and you will forget forget everything of unhappiness in your life please please she entreated breathlessly then taking the leap i love you i love you forget all your unhappiness he went on holding her close to him forget the one great mistake we both made forget everything 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 but that we love each other don't let me think then she cried don't let me think make me forget everything every little hour every little moment that has passed before this day oh if i remembered once i would kill you kill you with my hands i don't know what i am saying she moaned i don't know what i am saying i am mad i think yes i it must be that she pulled back from him looking into his face with wide-opened eyes what have i said what have we done what are you here for to take you away he answered gently holding her in his arms looking into her eyes to take you far away with me to give my whole life to making you forget that you were ever unhappy and you will never leave me alone never once never never once she drew back from him looking about the room with unseeing eyes her fingers plucking and tearing at the lace of her dress her voice was faint and small like the voice of a little child I, i'm afraid to be alone oh i must never be alone again so long as i shall live i think i should die and you never shall be never again ah this is my birthday too sweetheart i am born again to-night laura clung to his arm it was as though she were in the dark surrounded by the vague terrors of her girlhood and will you always love me love me love me she whispered sheldon sheldon love me always always with all your heart and soul and strength tears stood in corthell's eyes as he answered god forgive whoever whatever has brought you to this pass he said and as if it were a realization of his thought there suddenly came to the ears of both the roll of wheels upon the asphalt under the carriage porch and the trampling of iron-shod hoofs is that your husband corthell's quick eye took in laura's disarranged coiffure one black lock low upon her neck the roses at her shoulder crushed and broken and the bright spot on either cheek is that your husband my husband i i don't know she looked up at him with unseeing eyes where is my husband i have no husband you are letting me remember she cried in terror you are letting me remember oh no no you don't love me i hate you quickly he bent and kissed her i will come for you to-morrow evening he said you will be ready then to go with me ready then yes yes to go with you anywhere he stood still a moment listening somewhere a door closed he heard the hoofs upon the asphalt again good-bye he whispered 
God bless you. Good-bye till tomorrow night. And with the words he was gone. The front door of the house closed quietly. Had he come back again? Laura turned in her place on the long divan at the sound of a heavy tread by the door of the library. Then an uncertain hand drew the heavy curtain aside. Jadwin, her husband, stood before her, his eyes sunken deep in his head, his face dead white, his hand shaking. He stood for a long instant in the middle of the room, looking at her. Then at last his lips moved. Old girl, honey. Laura rose and all but groped her way toward him, her heart beating, the tears streaming down her face. My husband, my husband. Together they made their way to the divan and sank down upon it side by side, holding to each other, trembling and fearful like children in the night. Honey, whispered Jadwin after a while. Honey, it's, it's dark, it's, it's dark. Something happened, I... I don't remember. He put his hand uncertainly to his head. I can't remember very well, but it's dark, a little. It's dark, she repeated in a low whisper. It's dark, dark. Something happened. Yes, I must not remember. They spoke no further. A long time passed. Pressed close together, Curtis Jadwin and his wife sat there in the vast, gorgeous room, silent and trembling, ridden with unnamed fears, groping in the darkness. And while they remained thus, holding close by one another, a prolonged and wailing cry rose suddenly from the street, and passed on through the city under the stars and the wide canopy of the darkness. Extra, oh, extra, all about the smash of the great wheat corner, all about the failure of Curtis Jadwin. End of chapter 10